Hello again, and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Conservative. I am Edward. I'm Andrea, but I am not conservative, but he is my favorite conservative. Thank you. You're welcome. What are we talking about today, Edward? Oh, goodness. Probably one of my biggest pet peeves of all time is climate change. (sighs) Really? (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a Thanksgiving week, weekend, not a lot going on. I thought we would use this time to try to make it fun for people, give people some information. So when they're talking to their friends and whatnot, that they have a little bit of ammunition that they can use. Okay, well, I would just like to state for the record that the environment is not that important to me. Okay. Because Duly you can't noted. care about everything. That's my. That's true. Yeah, you can't. It's That's not true. possible. So yeah, this not is, that more. This is an issue that I have been following closely for thirty years. You've been following it yeah. since before it was global warming. Well, yeah, it was global cooling back in the day. Oh, was it? Oh, yes. And okay. back in the nineteen seventies. Okay. Uh, in fact, Time Magazine did a famous uh, cover of the coming ice age. Really? Yes. Do you know why I don't remember this? I'm going to guess. Let me see. Oh, you were born. Yes, I was a child. Itty bitty. So there's no way that I can remember that Time Magazine cover, but we'll try to dig it up for you. We all know that history starts the day that we're born, right? That's right. It does. Verifying, (laughs) clarifying, if you will. Okay. So I did not know that. So it started off as going to be global cooling. Yeah, global cooling back in the 70s. For me, climate change and Jesse Smollett kind of go together oh god i'm so scared as to where this is going (laughs) well let me ask you this yes when that jesse smollett or is it smollett i don't don't know know. whatever whatever when that story broke what was my absolute first gut reaction you said it was a hoax i said it was bernstein yes immediately immediately from the get-go and you were right Eh, clap clap for you you. okay So, so how are these similar? That's the way that I have felt about this issue. The the you know with Jesse Smollett, it was easily disproven in a short period of it time. Was, yeah. With climate change, global warming, global cooling, whatever you want to call it, uh, it takes a little bit longer. It, it's always great to be able to make predictions and say they're not going to come true for thirty years. So just trust us now. But okay, let's let's go back though. Let oh, let's boy. start about very quickly. There was a there was a survey taken about a year ago here in the United States, and they asked random people. How much of the atmosphere is made up of carbon dioxide, CO2, which right. is what we're all talking about? Okay. How, what, what would your guess be? I don't know. 3%? Three. Well, actually, it was 20%. Okay. The average person thinks that our atmosphere is oh, made that's, up. Oh, but that's not the fact. No. Okay, so that's what people say. That's said. what the average person on the street said. 20% of our atmosphere is made up of carbon dioxide, of CO2, because okay. that's all you hear about, Right. Okay, well, From, tell us the truth. Well, let, let's go to what is the atmosphere actually made up of? And I've got my little notes here. 78% is nitrogen. Right. All right. There's a big number there. 21% is oxygen. Right. I knew that. So between those two, we have 99%. So, so it's, 1%. Yeah. So we've got 1% left. It's going to be high, kind of hard to get 20% out of the 1%, but out of that 1%, 0.9 or 90% of it is argon. Oh, wow. Okay. I okay. did not know that. So okay. now we're down to 0.1%. And that is made up of other various gases, methane and whatnot, and CO2. CO2 makes up 
four one hundredths of one percent of our atmosphere. Good it to know. is it is a trace so, element. So I overestimated is what you're saying. Everybody overestimates. <laughs> and, 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 and it's totally understandable okay. because you know oh, that's all you hear about from every media outlet is our CO2 output. We're gonna get in the Wayback Machine. Oh, Let's, but we just went way back. We're oh no, 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 no. Oh Lord. Okay. All right. Where are we going okay. with this? So well, well let's just you going know let's the stipulate here that that we looked at it's four one hundredths of one percent. Right. What that means is it's four hundred parts per million. Right. That's that's the way the math. No, not four hundred parts. Four hundred parts per million. Four parts per million. No, four hundred okay, parts right. per million. Five hundred million years ago, it was five thousand parts per million here in the United States or here in the in the world. Okay. I don't recall a lot of SUVs and whatnot yeah. back back in the day, right? <laughs> Probably not. We yeah. didn't see dinosaurs driving trucks, correct? Except on the Flintstones. But <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, like thanks. A hundred and fifty million years ago, it was seventeen hundred parts per million. All right, so we now have four hundred parts per million, and they act like the world is going to end tomorrow if we continue to go up. We go up about one part per million per decade. Okay, just takes a long time for this. So people are just overestimating what we're involved in and, and how we're going to, if, is there a problem? Is there not a problem? Okay. Let's get a little more current. We Thank talked you. about the 1970s with right. the ice age, right? You know, obviously um, that hasn't panned out. I don't no. think we have an ice age glaciers coming down or whatever. No. An important time a year is 1988, actually. Okay. Right here in the United States. I should remember this. I was in high school. You're in high school. Yes. Yes. Okay. In 1988, the Senate held its first, um, they called it global warming committee meetings. Okay. Who led it? That would be Al Gore. Oh, of Democrat, course. Tennessee. Yeah. Of yes. course. That's former right. Vice President of the United before States. Before he became Vice before President. Before he became Vice okay. President. He and another Senator, a Democrat from Colorado named Tim Worth. And they decided they wanted to hold these hearings because Al Gore was very concerned about the environment. And obviously, man is bad for the environment. So he and Tim Worth decided to hold the hearings and they called the meteorolo the National Weather Service. And they said, what historically is the hottest day of the year? And they were told it's historically in, in Washington, D.C. Okay. They said it's historically it's June 9th. Okay. So when do you think they held hearings? June 9th. June 9th, 1988. Now, the night previous, Tim Worth, Senator of Colorado, and his staff snuck into the committee hearing room. room itself and opened all the windows so that the next morning, the air conditioner would have been running, you know, nonstop and trying to keep it cool down. But, you know, humid, uh, you know, summers in, in Washington, D.C. Are, are legendary. And by the time they got all these scientists in front of the cameras, and it was televised, that they were all sweating. So if you're starting out your hearings with political theater, yeah, I have a I have a problem that that maybe you don't have all the facts on your side. Okay. Okay. Do you agree with that? I I agree. I okay. agree. You're very passionate about this subject. I am because <laughs> from that moment on, that was my Jesse Smollett moment, and I said just something about this doesn't add up. You know, and I, I looked at, you know, how much the percentage of the atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. But let's move forward a little bit. Let's go into the mid 90s. OK, you're in college. I am. Just out of college. Or I'm out of college. <laughs> yes. OK, 
So okay. now we've got Al Gore is the VP. Al Gore is the VP. Clinton's president. Clinton's president. Okay. Now we start hearing this 97% of climate scientists agree that man is causing the climate change. Okay. Okay. And it's also about this time that all the predictions they've made over the last 20 years have not come true. And they decide to change it from global warming because there are incredibly cold winters to climate change. Which, it changed it that early. Yeah, it was, it was changed right towards the beginning of the of the next century. So okay, right yeah, I feel time. like it kind of came into the vernacular in the 2000s. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay, absolutely. So where did the 97% of science scientists agree that man is causing this increase in CO2, this small increase in CO2? Do tell, Edward. Oh, do tell, Edward. Okay, <laughs> I shall. I'm like, I'm just a puppet today. Okay, now, now. Before I say where it came from, any studies from now back to about the year 2000, I totally disregard because, and and, and we can it can expand on this a little bit. You've you've been in academia, yes. in your life. You've been a grad student. You've been all that kind of stuff. Yep. Anything from 2000 forward, which is now the official government line, is that man is causing climate change. Any studies that are done. Anything, any questions that are asked to these climatologists, guess what they're going to answer? Whatever the government wants them to answer, because it's all related to grant money. It's all related funding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they know if they don't say what the government wants them to say, they will not get funded. This is true. Okay. But please go all back right. to your 97%. So we're going back to 1997, the 97% uh, out of the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia. Okay. Yes. Where it's mighty hot. It is indeed. Okay. A, a professor down there got his grad students together and they looked over 11,000 articles, papers that were written about climate change. And okay. they divided them into groups on one was the climate changing naturally is the more feasible explanation. And the other was man is causing it. So of those two groups, 33% said that it is man causing it. Now that doesn't sound like 97% to me. No, no, it does not. Okay, other, keep going. Okay. So what they did is once they got that initial breakdown, they then sent out questionnaires to the authors of all those articles. And they said, do you agree now with what you wrote? And of those 33% that said man was causing it, 97% of them still agreed with themselves. That's where the 97% initially came from. So they're asking people, do you still agree with yourself? A smaller subset of 33% versus 66% that said, no, man doesn't have a huge role in this. Right. To me, that just sounds not very honest. Right. Would you agree? Well, what do they say? Statistics are lies. Yeah. Lies, yeah. damn lies, and statistics. Right. right. Yeah. So, you, can, you can shape statistics but no, the way you want. That's a lie. When you're saying that that 97% of scientists, if you say 97% of scientists of the 33% that agreed with themselves, right? okay, but when it then becomes political, right? And that okay. is all you've ever heard for the last 25 years is 97% of scientists. So people are afraid to speak out against it, right? Okay. Where does all this information come from? It comes from the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. It's a United Nations committee. They've issued six reports starting in 1990 all the way up till last year, 2021. They are- What do they do these reports every five years? They yeah it, it varies it's not okay. an actual time but when they decide they wanted to reissue and then they do updates and things like that during the years also 
Okay, Edward, I know there's a very important man behind some of this. And who would that be? Uh, that would be Professor Phil Jones. He ran the, he was the head of the climate research unit at the University of East Anglia, which is a very prestigious university out of London, I believe. And why is he important? Well, he's important because that university, Phil Jones is important because that university, they are almost the clearinghouse of all this information that goes to the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change at the United Nations. Okay, I like that. So he's clearinghouse. Got it. Okay. Correct. So he's the one that feeds them the information. Okay. And back in 2009, there was a climate gate scandal of which many top scientists, climate scientists, both uh, around the world in, in England, America and whatnot, uh, they were hacked by some Russian hackers and they were released out to the world. There are actual emails. The actual emails of what they were saying to each other. Privately. Yes. Okay. And, and what were they saying to each other privately? Well, I mean, a couple of things are disturbing. One is, is this Phil Jones. He writes to asking a couple other scientists, is the United Nations, are they subject to FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act? Okay. Why was he worried about the freedom of information stuff? Why was he worried? Well, he wanted to put all of his data at the United Nations because they didn't want to share their information with the climate deniers, my scare quotes. Okay. Now, you know, what is the basis of science? Not just climate science, all science in general. It is, you have a hypothesis, right. you go out, you collect your evidence, you right. test it, and then you release that information to the scientific world to see if they can verify or they nullify it, right? right? I mean, right. I think it was um, Albert Einstein. A reporter went up to him and said, Dr. Einstein, I can present a hundred scientists that say you're wrong. Right. And his reply was, I don't need a hundred. I need one. Mm. So if one person can prove that you're wrong, it's wrong. Right. Right. It's, right. it's, it's not about, that difficult. Yeah. You don't yeah. need, you don't need a consensus, right? Science is not consensus. Science okay. So science. this right. Phil Jones guy was concerned that the research would get out to the public. And did ClimateGate make that happen? Is that what ClimateGate was? Not necessarily. Climate, it, it, well, it just showed the incestuous relationship that they had. Another thing that was revealed in there is he wanted to, quote, hide the decline in some studies. There were some studies that some American scientists had done and they were leaving out certain portions of a medieval warm period and things like that. And he wanted to know what's the best way to hide these declines. Not real good if you're a scientist bent on searching for the truth. Okay, so he was trying to shape the facts the way he wanted them to be. Correct. And a, okay. another uh, portion of it, which I think is incredibly important, is... It, I don't know if it was him or some of the other scientists that were involved, but they were incredibly upset with the scientific journals of the time if they ever allowed an opposite opinion to what their opinion was. There are conflicting opinions in journals all but the they're time. Not. We're talking about Science Magazine, all the, all the top ones. They would have the editor replaced. It, it's more common nowadays, right? Everybody's a little more on edge or aware of things like that happening now, especially with COVID and all that stuff. Right. But back then it was a rather novel idea. And so, yeah, they were getting people replaced at magazines if they presented any opposing viewpoint. So all those things came out, really gave them a black eye. Of course, they tried to explain them away and everything, but it's in their writing. It's in their own writing. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So yeah. what happened next? We can talk about 
propaganda like in 2006 al gore's movie an inconvenient truth came out okay but this was right? before just okay, before just, climate gate right okay, so climate Clim gate was 2009 yeah and that 2006. made an impact just on the public it and did. it won an oscar it, it for did, best documentary but, you know my my oldest son who is now 28 when he was in middle school uh, the three years he went to middle school he said dad i had to watch this five times Okay. Five times? Five times in three years. Yes. God. Okay. Kind of glad know, I missed it. It, it. it was just forced down these people, these kids' throats. And that's why you're seeing so many activists nowadays. However, over in the UK, I give them credit. Uh, there was such an uproar because of so much of this was propaganda and couldn't be proven and could be disproven that the actual magistrates over there, uh, they ruled that they if they show this in their schools they have to put a disclaimer on it that oh, it wow. is, okay. yeah so give the give okay. give the brits credit on that one so for sure what do you think since we had an episode where we briefly talked about elon musk buying twitter and he continues <laughs> to make news all through the holiday weekend what do you think elon musk would say he's brilliant but let's face it he's made his fortune primarily off electric vehicles which in the U.S. are subsidized by the government. Right. And, and I don't think he would be in like the top 10 of richest people if he didn't have those subsidies in place. But that's for another time, another episode. What do you think he actually believes? He's a tough one to read. He really is. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't know. I wish I could give you a good answer. Because he's not out there constantly bitching about climate change, but it does work in his favor. Correct. Right. So does he truly believe in it or does he realize that, wow, I can make a lot of money? Right. Climate scientists and virologists. I don't know where you're going with right. this. All right. Well, before all of this hype started of global warming, climate change, whatever, if you were a climatologist at a university, I'm pretty sure you had a basement office. <laughs> and That may be true. Yes, yeah, you, you were, were kind of like a geologist. Yeah, you were yeah. on the lowest, lowest ranks right. of those sciences. Right. Now, all of a sudden, this everybody's worried about the climate, climate, climate. They are rock stars. And I equate that with virologists, right? Virologists would have had the same level of academia ranking until COVID, and, uh, they were a little higher, but yes. Okay. okay. All right. I'll, I'll give you that. But all of a sudden they are rock stars too. Right. You know, right. and it's human nature when all of a sudden you start getting a lot of attention, you're not going to let that go. And it all comes down to what? Grant money. You might not lie in a grant application, but you may make certain references to studies and things in order to get, in order to get funded. There's, there's a, there's always a, a funny example that I like to use is there was a scientist out in Los Angeles and he was going to study squirrels at the park and their <laughs> mating habits. Right. This is a good one. Yes. And yeah, he put in the the request for the grant and was quickly denied. Yeah. yeah. Because nobody cares about squirrels and their mating habits. Correct. So he decided, hmm, let me play the game. And it's going to be squirrels and their mating habits as related to climate change. And boom, immediately approved. Right. And yeah, so that's the way it works. If nowadays you can put transgenderism on it, whatever, whatever yeah. the hot thing of the day Absolutely. is, you know, and but again, the whole thing with climate is it takes forever to disprove somebody or to, to prove something or not. Right. So all those claims of the, the Arctic is going to be frozen over or, or free of ice, I should say, by the year 2000. Well, 
last year, I think, was probably one of the most heavily dense ice uh, formations in the Arctic. What about all the glaciers melting and the poor polar bears? Well, that's just it. They're, they're not melting. They melt, and then guess what? They come back, and it's a cycle that goes... We no longer have extinct polar bears. They are off. I believe they've been taken off the endangered species list. It's once they stopped hunting them. Once once the legal hunt stopped, it was surprising. Surprising how their uh, their numbers increased. Kind All right. Crazy. So I do see one more thing on your list about weather stations. Well, yeah, weather stations are are very interesting. There's a uh, a climate scientist by the name of Anthony Watts, and he decided to conduct a study. He had people from around the world send in pictures of these weather stations and where they're located. And what he did in his study was he looked at them all and he looked at how much buildup has has grown around these weather stations and whether that can influence the temperature readings that they're getting from these weather stations. What do you mean by buildup? Meaning there's some now that are near airport runways an airport was built right right oh, okay okay so actual right. buildings around where these, okay because you get you get what's called an island effect where it when you asphalt things yes, and whatnot okay. around it so people kept sending in picture after picture thousands of them around the country and around the world of a weather station and right beneath it was it was on a small building and right beneath it was a barbecue grill that the workers would grill their lunch for Okay, so if you're depending science on things that are man influenced to get those readings, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. You know, like there was one at the end of a runway or at the beginning of a runway. Well, what do the jets do when they get ready to take off? They they throttle their engines forward. You get all that exhaust coming out the back, which is really hot. And uh, yeah, it might increase the temperature of those stations. So right. that's why- That's interesting. Yeah, it, it is. And nothing is being taken into effect to account for the growth of civilization around these places. Everything that the climate community is based on is computer models. And this is incredibly important because there are, I believe it's 106 computer models that are used. Of the 106 models that are used, 104 of them are off their projections by so many degrees, not not temperature wise, but but factors of five or six, where they're so much higher than what was actually measured over this time. So we had a, a brief timeout because my entire leg fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm going to blame? What? Climate change. Oh, I was going global warming. Oh, no, I think but it's climate change. Yeah, you're a modern hit person. I am. I am. It was my leg was too warm and it fell asleep. Okay. I had no right. feeling. Okay. But to finish up where we were, okay. um, the remaining two climate models still didn't get it right. What actually has occurred, but they were less erroneous than the other models. So basically you can't get a climate model projection at all to match what has happened. And in fact, they scientists have fed every bit of climate data information that we have into these computer models over a certain amount of time that they're trying to measure. Right. And they still cannot replicate what actually happened. Which is really key. I just want to add that that is part of the scientific process is being able to replicate somebody else's results. Yeah. And the reason is as much information as we think we have, there are millions upon millions upon millions of variables in the atmosphere with cloud. We understand basically nothing about clouds, cloud formations, 
and how they handle that. So that's, it's just huge driving forces that we cannot replicate. So whenever you hear anybody say the science is settled. Oh, it's never settled. This, science isn't it, settled. It, well, it, well, they always say that about climate change. And it's usually a politician saying it, usually an Al Gore type person, John Kerry, whatever. AOC. Yeah, that science is settled and it's an existential threat to <laughs> mankind. Well, that's right? only been the phrase for the last few years. Yeah, it is. Now, if something is an existential threat, that means we are going to be extinct, right? Okay. It is. Wouldn't you, as a human being, give up your private jet? You would think. Yeah, but I think they, they actually just finished uh, the climate conference last week <laughs> in Egypt and 800 private jets flew into there. But John Kerry, he did some virtue signaling and he flew commercial, that first class, into there. Okay, but well, no I have to say, this is the one thing about, say what you want about Greta Thunberg. I'm not a fan. I know you're not, but... She actually walks the walk. You know what I mean? She does. She doesn't fly. She doesn't, you know, but yeah, these private planes. Oh, but wait, wait, don't they offset? Don't they? Yeah, they 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 buy their carbon offsets. It's such right? bullshit. Which, which is trying to like pay your way out of sins. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like the Catholic Church with them. Um, what was it back in the day with the Catholicism that you would pay your your indulgences? Yes, your indulgences. Yeah. It's the same thing. It yeah. really oh, is. Absolutely. It's so stupid. I, you know, I'm not as passionate about this as you, but I hate hypocrisy. And when, especially actors celebrities that are not scientists that this is not their job and they bitch and moan and chastise everybody else but yes they fly to these conferences on their private jets yeah and to movie locations and everywhere else in the world right if something is a danger to our very existence i would think you might take it a little more seriously if you if you believe that yeah you would think so yeah yeah so anytime again the science is not settled. It's never settled. No, it isn't. I could go on, but I shan't. <laughs> That's it. You're done. You're wrapped. Uh, You're good. I, I'm, I'm wrapping. <laughs> I find it impossible to believe that man is not contributing in some way. However, I feel like in the U.S. we sort of go above and beyond to overcompensate, especially when you look at other countries that continue to pollute the air. China, India. So do I think man does contribute a little bit to it? Of course we do. Of course. How could we not have an impact on the environment? But do I believe it's an existential threat? No. To me, one of the biggest slurs is when they call people climate deniers. Yeah, I know. And what you're doing is you're trying to get images of the Holocaust, of Holocaust denying, and you're trying to put people on that same plane as a Holocaust. Just shaming people. It is. Nobody, I repeat, nobody says that the climate is not changing. Right. Everybody agrees the climate changes. That's what climate does. Every single day you see it. To try to denigrate people for questioning, you know, I can just as easily call you a climate alarmist, where you're trying to alarm people to the point of hysteria. When my BS meter went off decades ago, it was... People just thinking, oh, climate change, that's just pollution and stuff. Don't you want a cleaner planet? That's not what it's about at all. It's about control. you know. And yeah. again, we referenced this conference that was just uh, in Egypt, where now the United States 
has committed a billion dollars to a fund or for, wait for it, climate reparations. Oh my gosh, just shoot me. That is such, it's yeah. so ridiculous when you told me this. Yes. Yeah, so, that did piss me off. So yes. uh, President Biden has committed a billion dollars to start. It'll be it'll be hundreds of billions. Of people who are homeless on the street. And instead of taking care of them, we're going to give a billion dollars to this fund that nobody else is probably going to give to that's complete No, bullshit. it gets better. Oh, Shall I get uh, no. Really? Do you want to make me this mad? Okay. Well, this is the industrialized world now has to pay climate reparations to the non-industrialized world. Oh, yes. This does get better. I forgot. And the number one polluter in this world is China. Right. And China is now considered an underdeveloped nation. And they don't. In this context. In this context. Yes. They do not have to pay into it. In fact, they will be receiving money. They're virtue signaling with our money you know, by these politicians. Stand up, people. Say something. And it's not going to end people unless we do something about it, unless we rise up and say, stop it. There's a couple of people, you know, that are out there that that you should read. Bjorn Lundquist, he wrote the called the Skeptical Environmentalist. He's an environmentalist. He believes that man is causing things, but he believes that there are better ways to handle it with fresh water, you know, putting our, our resources toward things that can help us deal with a slight increase in temperature. We will put a link to that yeah. as well. Uh, Michael Schellenberger also is another great resource. In fact, back in the early 2000, I think 2006, 2007, he was named Environmentalist of the Year. And he now, I want to say switch sides, but he says that this is not an alarmist moment. It is not an emergency. It's not a catastrophe waiting to happen. I, I think one of the great statistics he likes to use is 90, we've had a decrease of 98% of deaths in terms of natural disasters. And the reason for that is, is we've industrialized our world. We've been able to project and, and predict things better and we can overcome, you know, with just a little common sense and a few dollars instead of trying to remake society. Okay. I think we're going down a rabbit hole. We, we will put links to both of those. Do you want to get me started on electric cars? No, okay. that's for another time. <laughs> okay. That's for another time. Well, my good friend, Elon Musk. Thanks everybody for watching. It's been another episode of My Favorite Conservative. I am Edward. I'm Andrea and I am not conservative. Bye. Bye.